0: hi everyone and welcome to the palmer podcast i am james prescott your host welcome back to the show it's really great to be with you all today and uh, i'm really excited about today i've got an old friend coming back on the show somebody who's been on the podcast quite a few times i've lost count actually of how many times he's been on the show um but um yeah um brandon robinson welcome back
1: Thanks so much for having me. It's always good to get to converse with you, James. And uh, I, love, I love what you're up to. So thanks for having me here.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, we've known each other for for a while and um, always follow your work. And uh, yeah, I had the opportunity to meet Brandon a couple of years ago in uh, San Diego when he was pastoring there. And that was fantastic. And a lot has happened since. And he's been on the show since, actually. So um, and now he's back on. He's uh, up to a lot of things. Brandon has been in Rolling Stone magazine, um, which was quite a cool thing. For, uh, well, it's generally a cool thing anyway. But for a friend of mine to be in there was pretty cool. He was in the Hot 40 list um, for his for, for his TikTok work. He's been becoming quite a phenomenal on TikTok, so um, it's uh, it's fantastic. And he's got another book out as well, which is which is great, uh, and that's called "Filled to Be Emptied: and The Path of Liberation for Privileged People, which we'll talk about. So yeah, tell us tell us how you've been, Brandon.
1: Yeah, it's been a, a wild few years. This pandemic has, um, for so many of us, transformed how we think about our life, our world, our identities, and that's been true for me. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, as you mentioned, I was pastoring a church in San Diego uh, in January of 2021. I left that role and moved from San Diego to Washington, D.C., where I'm from. At the time, I thought I would be doing um, some political work, but that the job that I moved here for didn't materialize. And so I had about nine months last year of applying for work and not getting it. But also during that nine months, that opened up a lot of space for me to, one, write this new book, to uh, dive into TikTok and start really making content um, about progressive Christianity for another generation. And over those nine months, um, yeah, my own sense of calling and identity transforms, um, to realizing that I don't need a brick and mortar faith community, uh, to do this kind of work that we have faith community online. We have faith community on platforms like TikTok and through zoom and all sorts of things like that. And so really, uh, so much has happened over the past two years, but I've really been experimenting with, um, taking progressive Christianity online, uh, being an evangelist for a new way of being Christian and trying to figure out how we cultivate real meaningful community on the internet. And so that's what I've been to.
0: Yeah, it's, 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 it's been, it's been brilliant to uh, to see what's been happening with you just um, from afar and, can't avoid it it's uh, it's it's fantastic and you know um it's funny how life turns isn't it how we we make plans to do one thing and then something completely different opens up and it kind of opens up a whole new world for us and that that seems like what's happened you know you went to Washington DC with one plan and and something completely different happened and maybe better even than you expected so it's it's really great and yeah you've got such you're doing such great work in the world you have been for quite a while and Mm. it's exciting to see so um so tell us a bit about first tell us a bit about the TikTok stuff because that was that kind of almost came out of nowhere didn't it so um tell us how kind of that that evolved
1: yeah it was uh during the pandemic that i was had a little bit more space um in my schedule each day uh, as i was pastoring and We kind of shut down our church, shut down everything. Um, And during that time, I noticed some other clergy friends uh, posting videos of them doing funny dances on TikTok and all this stuff. And I, like so many other millennials and other generations, resisted it. I didn't really understand what TikTok was. It seemed like a kind of useless platform. Um, But I decided one day when I had some extra time to get on and just make a one-minute video talking about um, my theology as a progressive Christian and um, I did that and I did it a few times and just kind of let it sit for about a week when I logged back on a week later um, I noticed it had something like five or ten thousand views and that was more than I was getting on uh, Twitter or Facebook or anything like that so it piqued my interest that me talking about theology on TikTok to a group of uh, Gen Zers was actually compelling to people. Um, and so I started doing it more and every day I carved out time, um, for about a year to get on and spend an hour or two making five or 10 different videos, talking about different aspects of progressive theology. And over the course of six months, um, I went from a couple thousand followers to 50,000 followers to a hundred thousand followers. And now after doing it for about, uh, almost two years now, we're up at the 200,000 follower mark and people continually are engaging um, every week. And the thing for me was, it was never about the followers for me. It was never about the number or whatever. It's just incredible that talking about these big, important theological topics actually matters to people. It actually impacts people's life. It actually matters to kids and teenagers and young people. And so um, TikTok has become an obsession of mine because it's allowed me to be an evangelist, which is not a word that I normally would use, but it really is what's happening on TikTok. I hear stories every day, literally in my comments of folks that say, I was about to walk away from Christianity altogether. And because I heard you articulate an inclusive way of understanding Jesus, I want to remain in my faith. And um, I also started inviting those TikTok folks, off of TikTok and onto a Zoom conversation a couple times a month. And 500 people signed up to come and join my Zoom conversation. And so I just really got to see that um, these online platforms are real ways of cultivating uh, new kinds of spiritual community. Um, These platforms like TikTok are real ways to make an impact and help people um, in their deconstruction process. And so um, TikTok has become kind of my primary ministry. Um, it enabled me to walk away from my brick and mortar church. Um, it was part of the reason I was able to step down and and move was because I realized I didn't need to have a big building and a staff to be able to speak to people and teach people. And um, And I'm continually experimenting with ways to do that. And I've been super excited to see how maybe a hundred or so other progressive clergy have gotten on to TikTok and are doing this work. Um, many of them have bigger following followings than I do. And so there's this great movement right now on that space of progressive, inclusive Christian voices and Jewish voices and Muslim voices that are, uh, really combating the toxic evangelical kind of fundamentalist narratives that are out there so often.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it's really great. Um, yeah, and I've seen I've seen I've seen a lot of these videos. They they really are powerful because it's it's because they're so short, but they're but all, there's also there's so much wisdom in that, that in that in that kind of short period because tiktok videos aren't very long, and I think that's one of the reasons people are able to connect with them is because they don't have to invest like half an hour, forty minutes, whatever, or even a couple of hours in you know going to, either going to a church no. <laughs> or yeah. listening to a podcast or listening to a sermon, and not very good at, that's not very good advertising is it but um but podcasts are a very particular medium. i mean like you know yeah. um tiktok is a different kind of medium um and yeah for a certain generation and you know you're connecting with that that's really really important because the way the world is right now people are crying out for spiritual direction and spiritual guidance and so many people are deconstructing and leaving Christianity or thinking about leaving Christianity and to have someone like you out there doing that kind of work is really, really important.
1: Yeah, no, totally. Well, thank you for that. And I think you're exactly right. I mean, TikTok, it's a it's an on-wrap for people, um, because you're right. the videos are between 60 30 seconds and three minutes long. Don't have a ton of time to articulate stuff, but I'm also amazed at how much people can pack into a three minute video. And, um, but I think what's even more, what's been more surprising is not that people like the 62nd or three minute video, but that they then come over and listen to me talk for an hour and a half on TikTok live about theology and that they do come and listen to podcasts. And then they do come and listen to YouTube videos. Like, I think it's revealed that there is a spiritual hunger, um, in the next generation. They want to talk about. The meaning of life. They want to talk about whether there is a god. They want to talk about these things, and um, for me, as somebody who sees myself as a theologian and has studied theology, like that's super exciting because that's not the case for millennials and the generations uh, above us. We've become more secular, but in some senses, this younger generation has a spiritual hunger that seems to be more fervent and deeper than what millennials um, have had. So. It's interesting.
0: It is really interesting how different generations approach spirituality. And I'm fascinated by that. I'm fascinated by that. As I keep going on my own spiritual journey and my spiritual journey keeps expanding and growing and widening and deepening. And it's, it's, it's really interesting to see different generations connecting in different ways because obviously there is a very specific generation that connects with tech, TikTok you know my generation certainly doesn't isn't like I'm not the TikTok generation for sure but um but for like millennials or 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 later um yeah it's a very very good medium and like you say it's a, it's like an off ramp it's like almost like watching a trailer for something longer you know what i mean like yeah. um because if you're saying it's going from little TikTok videos to hour, hour long sessions or podcasts or whatever. It's like they're getting a taster for it and then they're going for it. And that's, that's brilliant. That really is. Totally. Um, and that kind of brings me on to kind of the long, longer form stuff brings me on to um, your book, your new book. You've written a lot of books um, and, um, but you've just written a new book um, called filled to be emptied. Um path celebration for privileged people and that subtitle actually really drew drew my attention because it's one of the first times i've actually seen in a book a spiritual book that's actually acknowledged that there are groups of people who are privileged and that is Mm. that's that's a that's a really positive thing um especially in a world where we're trying to be more inclusive where people are where we have to be more aware of um decolonizing work doing anti-racist work all of that kind of thing and white privilege white supremacy talking about the fact that we are privileged and that there are groups of privileged people in the world is really important and uh, yeah. to have that as a title or a subtitle of a book is that was that was really powerful for me um and so mm. tell us a bit about this this book
1: yeah totally well i think i mean this book is the result of me pastoring uh, at a getting my first pastoral gig during the Trump presidency. Um, I became the pastor of mission gathering Christian church in San Diego in July of 2017. And uh, Trump would take office that next January, I believe. Um, And so that changed how I pastored. Um, I, every week there was something happening in American political to speak to it, Um, whether it was Trump sexually assaulting women and talking about that and bragging about it, which led to the Women's March in the US and around the world, whether it was um, the murder of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement and how Trump responded to that and his endorsements of Charlottesville and racists in the street, neo-Nazis in the street, Um, or I mean, towards the end of it, the pandemic, like the Trump presidency all four years for me as a progressive Christian pastor kept bringing me back to the Bible and asking, how do I take the crises that are happening in this moment and go to our scripture and find some wisdom to encourage my congregation in this most turbulent, stressful period? And one of the things that really came to the forefront during the Trump presidency was this conversation around privilege. Um, The privilege as an idea uh, simply means that there's a group of people in various different societies and different contexts that are given unearned benefits based on their identity. And during the Trump presidency, for instance, the Black Lives Matter moment, we got to see this this privilege, white privilege in particular, on display. Um, We see Trump and his evangelical advisors supporting and fighting against movements that are calling for racial justice because they want to preserve their own power and interest and access to power and their own privilege. And we see groups of marginalized people in the streets, crying out, saying we're being abused, we're being killed. And all we're asking for is equity, a seat at the table, uh, these systems to be flattened. And so watching that happen in real time and being a pastor and needing to figure out how do I talk about this to my congregation led me to the pages of scripture. And I found, um, what has become one of my favorite passages, which is Philippians chapter two, Paul uh, quotes one of the earliest Christian hymns called the kenosis hymn. And that word kenosis is Greek. It means to empty oneself. And the beginning of Philippians chapter two says Christ being in the very form of God did not consider equality with God something to be exploited for his own benefit. And when I read those words, as I was thinking about privilege, something clicked for me. In Christian theology, Jesus is God in the flesh, has all the power, all the authority of God, and yet chooses not to use that power and authority for his own benefit, but for the benefit of others. When I saw that, that jumped off the page as what we're supposed to do with our privilege. If you have privilege, you're called to look at it, examine it, own it, And then ask, how can I use this not to protect myself or people like me, but to uplift people who don't have the privilege and the power and the access that I have? And so long story short, I ended up preaching a sermon series uh, about that passage to Mission Gathering. And they resonated so well with it and it seemed to really help break down the idea of privilege and um, give people a practical path to utilize their privilege that I decided to turn it into a book. And so um, that's what this book is. It's not just an exploration of white privilege. It's really an exploration of how to be a Christian in a society where Christianity is being used by forces of injustice? What does it mean to actually take Jesus seriously in a world where the people who most loudly claim to follow Jesus are actually antithetical to Christ? Um, and so it's a summons to Christians to get serious and to actually go back to follow Jesus and to work to create a more just and equal world.
0: Mm, I love that. The idea of giving giving away, almost giving away your privilege, um, giving away... The power that you have to, yeah, to make the world more equal and inclusive and just, yeah, um, yeah, because, yeah, and that, that's 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 very Jesus-like, <laughs> um, because that's exactly what you're right. They say that passage is really really profound. He gave everything away. He had the he had all this power and this divinity and this being set apart, and gave it all away and um to serve others and um and to lift up others and empower others and that's that's exactly what you need to do with privilege is give it away um and you know i i yeah i've been doing a lot of a lot of anti-racist work a lot of um decolonizing work and i'm still doing that it's a lifelong lifelong journey um and yeah part of that is for me just just almost standing aside in a sense and allowing voices that are not white and not male um to to have a voice uh, to you know kind of i've seen actually actually seen a lot of white people who've got i mean who've got who've had book contracts and speaking careers and just kind of say look i'm stepping aside from this because i don't want the, the world doesn't need another white male voice you know um and to, to allow kind of oppressed voices to rise up and to be heard and white people giving or giving away their platforms to the voices of people who are oppressed and don't have platforms and don't have voices and that is they're all examples of things that white people can do yeah. um very practical things i mean i try on this podcast to give platforms to different kinds of oppressed groups. Um I'm not, you know, obviously people of colour, but also LGBTQ people and women and you know, the people who voices who are not who are not heard. That that is something I'm always trying to do with this with this show. And I'm always have to do better. You know, we always have to um do better. But 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 yeah what you're saying is absolutely right. And um, it's a daily. I guess it's a, it's a daily process, isn't it?
1: Yeah. No. Totally. And yeah, I mean, that's that's the call of this book is that we should just all take the time to move past our defensiveness, um, to move past the fear there's a lot of for instance white fear about what it means when um the mountains are lowered and the valleys are exalted when the playing field becomes level does that mean we're losing something does that mean um our voices or our work no longer matters and i really try to get into those conversation uh, conversations in the book because i think some ways the conversation around privilege has become so polarized and so extreme that um it, it does scare people, but what I want to help uh, privileged people realize is that it's not even so much giving up your privilege. It's because you can't actually give away uh, the yeah. fact that being a white person makes you benefit in the society. But what you can do is recognize that you have an abundance and giving some of your platform away, giving some of your resource away, helping somebody else get ahead in their career or get ahead academically like there's so many realms that we could work on this in that doesn't actually diminish you or your ability or your capabilities to to do things in the world Mm. when the playing field is leveled actually we all benefit and we have to get out of the scarcity mindset that there's Mm. only so much success or only so much platform or only so much whatever because there's enough room for all of our voices to speak but you're exactly right um it does mean that sometimes we need to be a little bit contemplative and realize maybe my voice isn't the voice at this moment on this topic, or um, maybe this isn't a time for me to put myself forward. But what if there's somebody around me who's neurodivergent or a person of color or an LGBT person that I could help get a little bit ahead um, in the workplace or whatever the case might be. So it's not a zero sum game when other people are given a fair shake uh, we all benefit
0: absolutely yeah and that can even be a smaller thing as retweeting voices of oppressed groups like lgbtq voices or or women or or people of color or any you know groups that whose voices need to be heard on a particular topic totally Um, and where you your voice does not need to be heard on that topic so amplify the voices of people who whose who's views do need to be heard so that their voices get heard more and i mean i've been i did i did a lot of that when when the george floyd thing happened that's something that i was doing that i was like mm-hmm. okay i need to find as many people who are actually experts in this and know what they're talking about and have the authority to talk on this and i'm going to amplify what they're saying and i'm going to listen to it myself because yeah because they have authority to speak on this and I don't and their voices need amplifying right now and mine doesn't and you know and that's what I did um mm. when it comes to talking about things like mental health or grief or whatever then I then I will talk I will speak up I will use my platform to talk about it because that's something I have lived experience of and something something that I can contribute to a conversation on that but where where there's other voices that need to be amplified, I am. You can amplify those voices, and this is. We can all do this. You don't have to have a podcast or, a, you know, or a TikTok channel to, to be able to do this. If you've got a Twitter account, you can do this, um, and it costs nothing. So, yeah, mm. it, it really. It, and you're right. There isn't. There isn't a scarcity. We all have something to contribute. It's just recognizing when when your voice isn't the one that needs to be heard, and acknowledging the voices that do need to be heard, and giving them giving them a lift and amplifying them and allowing their voices to be heard.
1: Absolutely. That's exactly it. And it's my hope. Like I wrote this book thinking about uh, white liberal congregations primarily, like that's who I want this book to go to. I want um, this book to be read by people who are afraid to engage this topic, um, but know that they need to. And um, my hope is that it's gentle enough that it uh, helps explain this to folks, show people that it's not only the way Jesus lived, but um, it's it's a helpful and healthy way to live. It actually brings you joy when you get to do this. Um, and so um, I, I've been just blown away by the response so far. And I do hope that uh, more and more communities will take time to take stock of their privilege and uh, then figure out how they can begin utilizing that to, to bless others and help others get ahead.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's right. And um, I mean, what, what, this, what does this look like practically for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think kind of what you just said is something that I uh, have been committed to in the spaces that I occupy. I'm in this realm of kind of public theology and um, public ministry. And so I've consistently tried to Um, As you mentioned, reach out to people who I know um, might have a hard time getting ahead. Like, I've, as you mentioned, I've been blessed. I've published nine books over the past seven years. That's insane, right? But um, (laughs) I've been able to then, through those connections that I've made over the past seven years, I now know pretty much every progressive Christian publisher in the US, a number in the UK. And so if I see a friend who is a person of color or a queer person or a woman um, that has an idea for a book, I will reach out and say, hey, can I use my connection to at least make a connection for you to make sure that you get a fair shot and your voice might be able to be heard? Or um, as you said, uh, using like podcasts and other platforms to say, hey, um, if there's a way that I can use the platform that I've been able to gain over the past decade to uplift your voice, let me let me do that. Um, and even at Mission Gathering, um, when I was pastoring a brick and mortar church, I tried to be intentional to invite voices to come and speak to our community that normally would not get invited to speak at church communities. Uh, because frankly, the professional Christian world is one of the most privileged toxic spaces that there is. And the real prophetic voices are those that are not getting invited to platforms and book deals and podcasts. And so um, both you and I are kind of occupying this similar space where we have this great blessing to look around and say, whose voice isn't getting heard that should be heard. And is there a way that I can give some of my time, my resource, my platform away to ensure that others uh, are heard and that people um, see the brilliance of these perspectives that they're not being exposed to. And so I try to live that way. Obviously, all of us have a lot of work to do um, around privilege. I know I do. Um, frankly, even after writing a book about it, it's still an uncomfortable conversation. I think we have to all admit that. Um, and and so we just need to be committed to the long haul of this work and to continue to think about these things, reflect on these things together and be gracious with one another as we fumble our way towards following Jesus and not exploiting our privilege for our own benefit, but using it for others.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And that's an important point that we will fumble back at some point. We will make mistakes. We will tread over our own privilege and we will have to humble ourselves and you know admit we were wrong and apologize and make amends and things like that. I've had to do that um Mm -hmm. and um it's not comfortable when that happens but it's but it's going to happen if you're on the journey and as long as you're as long as you're willing to do the work and you're willing to acknowledge what you know any harm you've done and commit to learning and commit to unlearning and commit to um doing better all the time and know that you've never you'll never get there completely but keep on that journey um if you're doing that then you're on the right pump um because nobody will get it perfect um but um that's why that's why you saying having having grace with ourselves is important because we will make those mistakes and uh, we just have to keep going when we make those mistakes and um have grace with ourselves and just commit to doing the work um because it's really really important
1: totally totally
0: um so 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 what what is kind of next for you where is where is your journey leading you now as you've got this book coming out so and you're, obviously you're still doing tiktok um and you're creating these spaces for these conversations so where's is, where is where is that being where are you being led now
1: yeah totally well the journey is Always unfolding, and I'm never quite sure where I'm heading. But uh, what I'm working on right now is um, one, I have a digital faith community called Metanoia that um, basically I took those 500 folks that signed up from TikTok and said, Hey, let's meet twice a month on Sunday mornings to wrestle with the Bible and have honest conversations about faith. And so um, we do that, and that's growing and becoming a thing. Um, I have Another book uh, coming out in September called Dry Bones and Holy Wars, which is um, similar to "Filled to Be Emptied in the sense that it's um, a compilation of my reflections from four years of Trump's presidency and kind of um, me looking at different scriptural passages for wisdom about how to respond to moments of racism and how to respond to moments of um people flaunting sexual abuse on a national stage and all those crazy moments that we had uh, during those four years. Um, That book has been compiled and uh, I'm excited for that to come out. And then the final thing is I'm heading towards, um, it looks like I'll, I'll be heading towards a PhD program in the fall, which will give me the space to take kind of this work that I've been able to do at a quote unquote popular level and kind of work towards getting some more academic rigor behind, um, behind my work, because I really feel like as an LGBT uh, Christian theologian, um, it's important for me to be able to have the same kind of credentials as uh, some of these straight um, theologians that are often condemning LGBT people and people of color and things like that. And so it just feels important for me to be able to go and study at the PhD level, get that kind of Uh, education so that I'm able to help articulate a progressive inclusive version of faith um, in a way that uh, can combat a lot of the toxic theology that's out there by uh, straight white evangelical doctors. Uh, So anyways, I'm thinking that's where the path is heading, uh, but the past two years has taught me that I can't predict what's going to happen a month away. So I have no clue, uh, exactly where I'm heading. I just know that I'm dedicated to doing this work as publicly as I can, cultivating these spaces, um, so that more and more people can heal from their religious trauma and find new ways of embracing, um, a Jesus oriented spirituality.
0: Mm. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, I'm really curious because it, it seems like oh, the Trump years and you being at Mission Gathering, which is a great church by the way, I've got a chance to visit and even speak there, and it's fantastic. If um, you get a chance to go there, go. So, um, but it seems like you being there and during the Trump years as well seems to have left a really big mark on you. I mean, like two books mm-hmm. coming out this year about with reflections from that period. Um, how, did that, how did that period impact your own spiritual journey?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the Trump years are the reason that, at least in part, um, the deconstructionist movement has become so big and the ex-evangelical movement has become so big and folks walking away from faith altogether has become so big because Donald Trump really was a moment where, um, not only for America, but I think for the Western world, We saw that evangelical Christianity, which has been arguably the most dominant force of Christianity for the past 50 years, uh, was attached to power, privilege, white supremacy. Um, Donald Trump became literally the incarnation of evangelicalism. And we watched how so many powerful evangelicals and evangelical institutions came around Donald Trump and supported him, abandoning the values that they preached so fervently. Um, And so in some sense, it was not surprising, but I think all of us have to admit in some sense, it was also shocking. Um, And for me, as somebody who came from the evangelical world in particular, I had a crisis of faith all over again about how could I be a part of this movement? Um, And what does it mean that I was a part of this movement and now have a platform that I can speak to it and help uncover some of the unjust ways and uh, unjust beliefs of evangelical Christianity in this moment. And so my four years at mission gathering really were me standing up in front of a congregation, most of whom had an evangelical background and helping them and myself process Donald Trump and the great exposing of evangelicalism as frankly, an anti-Christ version of Christianity. Um, And asking, what do we do in this moment? What does it mean to be a faithful uh, follower of Jesus when this is happening? Um, And so as you see it filled to be emptied. like there was a lot of reflection on privilege, but in dry bones and holy wars, what folks will see is that, and this isn't just unique to me. I feel like every progressive pastor had this experience. We had to continually go to our tradition, continually go back to the Bible. And what I found was that so much of the crazy injustice of the Trump era had parallels in the Bible that while Trump was so terrifying and seemed unique um, to this moment of history, there has been many other moments in history where unjust rulers and unjust um, religious systems rose up and perpetuated corruption. And so I, I spent a lot of time over four years writing sermons, writing articles, um, processing what the scripture has to say about how we deal with these kind of moments and these kinds of leaders. Um, and you're right to say that, like it impacted me. My faith is different on the other side of the Trump era. Um, it's a much more justice-focused faith, it's a much more action-focused faith. Um, it's a much much more Jesus-oriented faith. I kind of gave up Paul during the Trump era because I wanted to focus on what Jesus said and what he did and how we could actually live that out subversively um, in this dire moment of human history. And the last thing I'll say is, the reason I keep writing about this stuff is we're not out of the woods yet. Um, It's very possible that Trump or a Trump-like person will be the president again in a few years, and if not in America, somewhere else in the world. Um, And so we need to be looking to our traditions and our faith and asking, what does it require of us? To follow this path in a dire moment like this, and so, um, yeah, mm, yeah,
0: it really was a it really was a a seminal moment, I think, in recent history when that happened. Um, the shock, um, yeah, and it's it, it is really interesting that I've seen. I, I, I'm building. I've built a, quite a lot of friends on Twitter recently and connected with a lot of deconstructing people and most of these people have been deconstructing for a couple of years you know which is kind of like during the trump era right and yeah um my, my own journey kind of began a long time before that but but it's it's really fascinating how many people have been have started deconstructing in the last two or three years and um and that that's not a coincidence um and mm-hmm. yeah it's going to be interesting to see what the outcome of that is for people um spiritually and for spiritual communities and, and for and for the jesus movement as well and um and how that all unfolds and we, obviously we, and you're right we don't know what's going to happen there could well be another trump-like figure um as us president or like you a leader of another country we have got a uh, quite a Trump-like figure in this country right now. Um, and um who is literally being prosecuted for um criminal acts, for partying during lockdown when he wasn't meant to be, um, and just not doing anything, just staying in his job. And mm. um and, you know, things like that are happening. And it's yeah. And so it's a really I say it's a dangerous time to be alive, but it's also a really interesting time to be alive. And um, with a lot of people leaving um, conservative U.S. evangelicalism um, and deconstructing their faith, going on a spiritual journey, it's going to be interesting to see where where that all leads. And yeah, I'm I'm, I'm fascinated about where that can go. So, um, what is it that brings you that brings you hope right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to sound like a broken record because we've talked about it a couple of times now, I think, but like really this conversation that I've been able to have on TikTok and other platforms is giving me hope. The fact that um, there is a lot of uh, terrible stuff on the internet and I experience a lot of hatred and betrayal and all of that, that exists. But just as much hatred as I receive, I also see so many people that are awakening to new ways of being spiritual, new ways of being Christian, new ways of being religious. And the fact of the matter is, even as many people become atheist and agnostic, religion's not going away. And so there still needs to be a reformation within religion to make it more open and inclusive. And that's kind of been my life's calling up to this point. And um, in the past couple of years, it's been validated that um, I, along with so many other voices, yours included, are getting to cultivate and help um, provoke questions and uh, new ways of thinking for people. And this progressive inclusive version of spirituality is catching on, which means that within a generation, um, hopefully we don't, it won't be possible for someone like a Donald Trump to become president of the United States again with the support of evangelicals, because that movement will have gone through a reformation and been transformed by people waking up to privilege and injustice and um, all the things that we see people awakening to right now. So I don't want to be overly optimistic. I think it's going to be a long battle ahead. We've got a lot of work to do, but I do see an awakening happen happening. I do see a new generation coming up um, with more openness and yet a fervent desire for faith. Um, And so I'm excited about a progressive inclusive version of Christianity that is emerging. um, And I'm excited about how progressive inclusive faith in all traditions seems to be emerging in this
0: moment. Fantastic. That is great. That is great. And I, I feel, I, I feel, I feel hope as well that, you know, that people are going to discover a new way of expressing their spirituality, which maybe we haven't seen before and you know making connections between between spirituality and science and different expressions of spirituality and you know um creating a more just inclusive world um and um where people are unlearning their privilege and giving it away for the good of others um that is the kind of world that we want to create and we and we can and we can and we just have to keep doing the work so thank you brandon it's been fantastic it's always a pleasure to talk to you um and uh tell us where people can find you on online on TikTok and twitter and everything
1: yeah well thank you so much james uh most you can find everything about me if you just head over to brandonrobertson.com. That's B R A N D A N Robertson.com. And then on TikTok, I'm Rev Brandon Robertson. Um, and all the other socials are linked on my website. So anything you want, just head over to the website.
0: Fantastic. Thank you, Brandon. And I really would encourage you to all check that out. Uh, Brandon is really great. And uh, yeah. Um, so thanks for coming on, Brandon. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody.